Our scripture reading this morning is from the Gospel of John, chapter 17, verses 20 through 24. Jesus said, I ask not only on behalf of these, but also on behalf of those who believe in me through their word, that they may all be one. As you, Father, are in me, and I am in you, may they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given them, so that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may become completely one, so that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I desire that those also whom you have given me may be with me where I am, and see my glory, which you have given me, because you loved me before the foundation of the world. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Denise. Grace and peace to you once again, beloved. It's been a good Sunday already, amen? Let me try that again. It's been a great Sunday already, right? That's not just me, is it? Oh, the Spirit of God is in this place, and we're singing, and we're listening to special music, and we're connecting with one another, and that is a beautiful thing. Take a deep breath now, if you would. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts together be pleasing in your sight this morning, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. During my first year in seminary, I flew from New Jersey to Texas so that I could spend Thanksgiving with my family. And as we circled up for the meal, my mom asked someone to pray. That's when all eyes turned to me. I was a seminary student. And my brother, who is a master plumber, said, Amy, if the toilet breaks in this house, who is expected to fix it? So it became a standing family joke that it's my job to pray because I'm the pastor. Well, now my sister is also a pastor. And the truth is, everyone in our family prays. Lots of people pray. Studies show that 55% of Americans say they pray every day. 21% say they pray at least every week or once a month. And 83% of people who pray believe that their prayers have been answered in one way or another. A regular prayer practice has been proven to offer some observable benefits, such as calming our nervous systems, shutting down our fight, flight, or freeze response, reducing our reactions to negativity, and even helping us manage our anger. But how does that work? I mean, what are we really doing when we pray? I can tell you what we're not doing. When we pray, we are not giving God new information, and we are not manipulating God for a certain outcome. We know by now that our God is not a cosmic vending machine, right? 
And yet, if we are to grow in our faith, we must be able to share our gratitude and our joy, our needs and our concerns. And this is exactly what we see Jesus doing here in the passage that Denise read for us. He's praying. I ask you, Jesus says in the presence of God and his followers, I ask you, not only on behalf of these who are with me, but also on behalf of all who will believe and follow, that they be one. He's praying to God as a part of what we have come to know as the farewell discourse. The final words that Jesus shares before his arrest, we find them in chapters 14 through 17 in the Gospel of John. And we're taking a look at this farewell discourse as a part of our Lenten series, Rocky Ground, Walking with Jesus on Rugged Terrain. So far, we have discussed how to cultivate peace in experiences of turmoil, how to remain connected in times of disconnection, and how to reclaim the resiliency of joy in times of sorrow. And that brings us to the possibility of building unity in the midst of great division. And that seems like a pretty big request for anybody to make, even Jesus. But here he is, sharing the Passover meal with his friends. He's washing their feet. He's watched one of them walk out the door to betray him to the authorities. He's facing an unjust arrest and a brutal death, and he's thinking about what that will mean for them, for his friends. So he prays. He prays for them to be able to keep it together for the sake of all of the people they could lead to a new life, the new life that they had found in him. I have given them what you have given me, he says in his prayer, so they may be one so that the world will know that you have sent me because you love them. And Jesus knows that the journey will be a rocky one, so he prays for a way through the rugged terrain, together, with unity. The season of Lent is a perfect time for us to remember this prayer of Jesus and to adopt it for ourselves We can feel so isolated when we're doing this work of recognizing our own human frailty. And it's really ironic because it's that work that can really bring us together. As we recognize as human beings, we have much more in common than we could ever have in difference. At the same time, that unity cannot be developed without the work of God in our lives and in our community. And that is why Jesus is praying, because he knows we will struggle. Division is easy. Holding our differences and our disagreements in tension, in healthy tension in a community, it takes grace and patience and commitment to one another. It's much easier to divide to go to our separate corners and to cling to our convictions with people who think like we do. Somewhere along the way, we have confused unity with uniformity. Uniformity is a state of overall sameness. 
In a community that values uniformity, everyone must share the same point of view. We must think the same way and act the same way. There's no room for difference or for much growth. Unity, however, is a state of being joined, together, whole. In a group that values unity, various perspectives are respected, and they serve as a catalyst for maturity, and for creativity. So the key difference between unity and uniformity is the value placed on difference. And I'm not just talking about acceptance or tolerance. I'm talking about respect and celebration, even. Please remember, this is exactly what Jesus himself prayed for. Not uniformity. Unity. Oneness. So I wonder, beloved, what do you pray for? I hope you all have a post-it note. Do you have a post-it note? And a marker? Have it ready. We're going to use it in just a moment. And if you're worshiping online, we can talk about what we pray for in the chat. I'll guide you through it. So don't worry just yet. Just have it ready. Post-it note and a marker. They're available in the gathering space if you don't have them. In this passage in John, Jesus prays for unity. But this is not the only example of prayer that Jesus has given us. And you already know this. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus teaches his followers how to pray. Now, please notice I said how to pray, not what to say. It's not individual words that Jesus is trying to teach us. It's the content of our communication. We have six categories here. When we say our God, our Father in heaven, we're making a statement of identity. We're identifying the one to whom we pray, but we're also identifying ourselves as the children of God. Holy or hallowed be your name refers to purpose. As God's children, our purpose should align with God's purposes, which are set apart. They are holy. The third part, your kingdom come, your will be done, is about family. It's about community. That purpose that we share is to offer grace and love and forgiveness and healing to all. Give us today our daily bread refers to our basic human needs. It puts the focus on God's provision of what we need and narrows our scope to what we actually need for each day. The next section emphasizes forgiveness, a healthy processing of the pain that we cause each other through our own malicious or even careless actions. And finally, lead us not into temptation. That last part ushers in the hope that God will give us strength, not just to face evil, but to follow Jesus, to follow in the ways of Jesus in unity. So with this prayer, Jesus teaches us that prayer is not really about us. It's about God. And it's about God's work in the world. And it's about our willingness to take part in that work for the greater good. Abraham Joshua Heschel, a Polish-American rabbi of the 20th century, tells us that to pray is to dream in league with God, to envision God's holy visions. That dreaming encourages us to arrange our lives to be of use to God in an on earth as it is in heaven kind of a way. 
Or as contemporary author Anne Lamott says, if even one person is praying for you, buckle up. Things can happen. Things are happening, beloved. Things are happening at Morningstar, prayerful things. A prayer group is forming as a part of a larger congregational care team, which will launch in May. Janet McQueen is serving as a leader of this prayer group, and she and other members of the group have begun praying for the congregation during our Sunday worship services. In just a couple of weeks, we will hold a 12-hour prayer vigil on Holy Saturday, the day before Easter. A guided meditation for reflection will be available for those who want to participate, whether you are praying here at the bonfire on the church grounds or praying in your home. Prayer so often seems personal, but this spiritual practice has the power to unify us in the work of God in our lives. And literally anyone can pray with words, without words. There's no prayer fixer here. No one designated prayer. We are all practicing together. And so I invite you to take this post-it note or get ready to use the chat and make a note of your prayer today, a prayer for yourself, for the church, for the world, for your friends, for your family. Use one word. Use several words. Draw a picture. You could even leave it blank as a sign that the Holy Spirit prays for us when we don't know what to say. And when you are ready, I'm going to move this post-it, this large post-it, forward, and you can come while the music plays, and you can put your prayer on the large post-it. If you're not mobile, but you still want to participate, just raise your post-it high, and I'll come get it and put it on here for you. Please share your comments as well, because we want to know those online. Just know that your prayer matters, and Guillermo is going to pray for, uh, to play for us while we pray. So as you are led, come forward and post your prayer. You are welcome to participate in this as well. Write your prayer. Draw a picture. Bring it up. You can just write it on a large piece of paper. That works too. If you are worshiping online, Laura is monitoring the chat. Feel free to put your prayer right in the chat box.
Mara. Just looking briefly, I see some common themes. We're praying for peace in the world. We're praying for healing for ourselves and for others. We're praying for growth, for direction, for an end to hate, for kindness, for acceptance, for God's will to be done. This practice this morning shows us one way that prayer can unite us. It can bring us together, just as we're all reminded by the rocks in our shoes. You still have rocks in your shoes, right? Just as we're all reminded by the rocks in our shoes of the uncomfortable parts of being human, we can be united and reminded in prayer that we can be one because we have the same spiritual needs as well. In this vulnerable place together, we can find ourselves standing on the love of God that Jesus says is the foundation of the world. The power of that love is at work in us as well. And that means that we can choose unity. No matter how great the threat of division may seem. Amen. Amen. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, you know the desires of our hearts. You know before we ask. Thank you for teaching us how to ask, how to pray. Together we come to you this morning asking for forgiveness and reconciliation, for help for everyone who needs it, the ability to never lose faith, for strength and diversity, for happiness and joy, for direction and how to help those in need, for understanding of your will, to know that you are with us. We pray these things and all of the things that remain tucked safely in our hearts. In your name, by the power of your spirit. Amen.